You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. Hello, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. I, as you may have noticed, am not Mike, nor am I Taylor. <laughs> no, it is I, the sesquipedalian Star Trek correspondent, Tyler Vance. But fear not, I have not been set loose upon this podcast without supervision. I am luckily joined by our usual hosts. The one is an avid lover of superhero movies, organized sport, and getting all emotional while watching movies. The other is a passionate supporter of the vampiric, the occult, and the profane, cinematically speaking, of course. Please welcome Mike and Taylor, respectively. How are you both doing today? Great. Wow. That should just be the always the intro for the show, I think. <laughs> uh, long time listener, first time guest. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I suppose you probably listen to Screening in Kingston more than anybody, considering that you have to edit every episode. Yeah? That's correct. And Taylor always brings up constantly, oh, I, I never listened to it. I've never listened to it when we've gone. And I, I think I listened to each episode like eight times just yeah. to get it up. I think I listened to like our two live shows when we like, because at the very beginning of the show, we were actually airing live before we no. kind of hit our stride. So I listened to those live and then never again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good show, Taylor. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I can I can highly recommend for, for um, anyone who's like yeah. tuning in for the first time. Great podcast. That I was recommend. also for anyone tuning in for the first time, that was the most organized, well written, well spoken opening you're ever gonna get. Usually I come on and I'm like, hey, let's talk. I tried <laughs> to get your cadence down for the hello and welcome. It's like, but I was it's like, but I'm not sure if I managed it. It's like, no, that was good. It was there's only good. there's only one mic out there and I can only be me. Oh that's true. I'm one of a kind. Many people <laughs> would tell you that. Tyler, we wouldn't want you to be anyone else. Well I appreciate that because you ain't gonna get anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so today we were actually having a really interesting episode of Screening Kings, and as you can already tell from the shakeup that we're having, um, what we have for you today is actually part awards show and also part game show. Um, yeah, we have a list of eight categories that provided by our producer, Austin. Um, and for each, Mike and Taylor are going to be providing these, they're going to be basically the nomination committee. I'm going to mm -hmm. provide two nominees each, bringing the total, if I'm doing the math correctly, to somewhere around four. Um, if they end up picking the same nominee on accident, that nominee is actually just going to be is like go in like pretty much the equivalent of you'll have three choices because then what's going to happen afterwards is that the listeners will have a chance to vote on which nominees they feel best represent that particular category. Wow, on this is complex, but also cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, that's, that's how we roll here. <laughs> math is involved. But but the fans don't have to do any of the math. We'll handle no, that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll take care of the math. You just, like, the, the folks out there, you just take care of the choices. You just take care of the, of the intense choices that are going to be thrown your way. Um, but don't worry, it's not going to be all math and intense choices. We luckily also actually have some games that Austin has put forward for Mike, for Taylor, and for Mike and Taylor together. Um, think like whose line is in any way, except the games are well made and the points matter very, very much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, there's a point system? Oh yeah, there's a point system. Um, oh. like Austin gave me the, the power of being the points master. Um, oh. So just 
be warned that uh, I can I can dole out points indiscriminately, um, and they okay. do count, and they matter. They Is matter going to be a very winner? much. One of oh, us, yeah. Taylor or I, are going to win. There's going to be a, there's going to be a winner, nice. and the That's winner awesome. gets to produce the show. <laughs> <laughs> so Taylor's just yeah, throwing great. this right out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a great prize! Um, it's also interesting to note here that. I, I, Taylor and I, as far as I know, don't know anything about these games. Like, I didn't even nope. know there's a point system. Like, we don't know anything. I don't nope. know anything about the games. I barely know anything about my nominee choices. <laughs> okay, he gave you like two weeks. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I do have a pretty thorough list, but okay. it was tough. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah. I agree. It was really hard. I mean, this, it actually reminded me a lot, Taylor. I know you don't listen to the show, but when Tyler and I do the Star Trek stuff, um, we always often talk about how hard it is to put our list together yeah. and, and kind of going back and forth. And I had several of these moments where I was pacing around my apartment being like, which one do I take out? How do I narrow this down? What does this even count? Like it's, it was very tough. It was a very interesting exercise. Yeah. There was even looking as like the host, like it's a little like, I'm glad I don't have to choose that. I don't know which one I would have chosen. So, <laughs> well, you are going to have to choose because you'll have to vote. Oh, that's true, actually. But it's like, it's like I'm I'm okay with choosing from a select list, though. Fair. You give me four, Fair. and I could be like, okay. But like when you give me like, because you guys have been going for almost three years now, right? Yes. Yeah, but I um. Oh, see, Taylor misinterpreting the rules once again. For most of my movie, I mean, we'll get into it, but I will say that in terms of picking like the movie awards this year mm -hmm. i really did stick to the movies we watched like during the pandemic yeah and some of and some of them do specifically say within 2020 and so with that, i think maybe... any question taylor misinterprets should be docked a point <laughs> <laughs> i see that you're really going for this well, I wanna, and now it's a competition i want to win yeah mike, I... wants, mike wants to produce the show which he does every week <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm just lucky I get to take a week off. Like Austin's I done know. a great job and with Tyler here, I just got to supply the things. But I just want to say my my opinion is if Taylor misinterprets a category, she should lose a point. I think that's fair. She'd also will... be on the new bingo card. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Taylor misinterpreting a fan <laughs> question. Yeah, definitely. That's gotta go on the bingo card. Yeah, your your points master and your bingo card creator will take this under advisement. For... Okay, sounds <laughs> good. Sounds good. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're going to start get started with the categories, and I figured that we should probably start with some categories that are more familiar to people who are actually interested in the Oscars, because this is kind of, in theory, supposed to be tying in to the upcoming Oscars that will be, I think, in a week's time? Is like yeah. um, Next like, week? Yeah. So um, the first category that we're going to be looking for is actually the best supporting performance. And we're looking for the best performance from an actor in a supporting role, whatever that may mean. And actually, it'd be great if you guys could provide your definition for what you think of as a performing performance as you give your nominees. Cool. Specifically, we're talking about films released in 2020. So um, Taylor, do you want to go first? Sure. So my, oh, I guess describing what a supporting actor is, it's the person who isn't the lead protagonist, but has a major role in the film. Mm. Like I'm thinking like in like a story, right? Like the protagonist would be the main character, but there's still supporting characters in a, in a story that like move the plot forward or whatever. So that would be, and I know the Academy, <laughs> they, their interpretation of supporting performance is sometimes funny. Like it, I think it comes down to the amount of minutes on screen, but mine, mine are not, I wouldn't 
it doesn't come down to the minutes. They're big. They're like obvious supporting performances. So my first is Anna Seyfried. Oh my gosh. Is that even her name? Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> there we go. I made these notes and the notes are wrong. So Amanda, Amanda <laughs> Seyfried for Mank. Um, anyone who listens to the show knows that I just raved about her performance. So obviously she was going to make an appearance. I apologize. I'm, um, I apologize in advance for pronouncing this name. Yun Ya Zheng from Minari. The mm. grandmother from Minari um, is my second best supporting performance. And then it wouldn't be a Taylor contribution without me throwing in a curveball. My honorable mention, Bo Bur- Burnham, promising young woman. He won't, we won't put him on the score scorecard, but I didn't think it would be fair if our, we won't put him on the ballot, but um, I think his- I might be able to help you out with Oh, that. okay. Wait, wait till we get to me. I might okay. be able to give you, a, give you a hand with that. Right. Well, then let's go into Mike then. What are your is like uh, nominees for the best supporting performance? First of all, Bo Burnham, Promising <laughs> Young Woman. I, I think Taylor should be docked a point for not putting him on it. <laughs> that was one of the best, best performances of the year. I mean, especially from a guy that like, okay, maybe it's just me, but I see Bo Burham as what he kind of does more often as his comedy routines and singing silly songs. You thought he was kind of a one trick pony? Kind of a one trick pony. Yeah. Like that was just my impression because that's all I'd Mm -hmm. seen from him. So of course you'd have that impression. But I think when we were talking about this movie, Taylor is actually the one who brought up the scene near the end, the kind of switch and turn that he has. Um, as a character, that's like acting at its finest. And without Bo Burnham, I don't think this movie works as well. Like, I think you need the perfect cast to make Promising Young Woman work. And it's one of my favorite movies of the year. And I think he was phenomenal in it. So Bur- Bo Burnham is definitely number one nice. for me. And then my my second nominee is Sophia Lills from Uncle Frank. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So another another movie I talked about a lot was Uncle Frank. Big fan of it. I thought, so she, she plays his kind of younger niece. She's a teen actor. She's from It, Most people, right? It, yeah, most people recognize her from It. Um, she's kind of one of the rising stars, and we were having this great discussion where, w- with her and Millie Bobby Brown, these two young actors, I think, are going to like take off in the next couple of years. And uh, yeah, she's going to be one of them. So yeah, I just thought it's got to be Sophia Lills, crazy, and that that Uncle Frank was ignored so much by the Oscars. Mm. But I wanted to make sure to give them give them a shout out for a few things here. Um, because to me, the best perform, best supporting performance is from an actor who supports the leading role. Without them, the leading role w- might not work, or they, those moments don't work. You need a really good person to be opposite in big moments. And both Sophia Lills and Bo Burham did that. They were perfect for the leads to support them in 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 the role. So those are my nominees. Nice. That's a strong, is like a quartet of candidates for sure. Is like and. As an audience member, I'm trying to figure out who I will pick. And it is a difficult one because I haven't seen some of the movies there, but most of them are ones that I think you folks have recommended. And they're all ones that have been on my list for a long time now. Well, and it's interesting to note that Taylor did say Bo Burnham is an honorable mention. So that's kind of like getting one and a half votes. Already. It's, it's al- <laughs> He's almost there. He's half, he's half the way there, really. Mm-hmm. Living on a prayer. 
Um, but what's the score here, Tyler? Do we don't, so Taylor's at negative two. <laughs> I say, I say, I will only be ranked is like scoring the game section. That's what this I was like, going to say. The game the, game I, thought, I thought we were scoring the whole, <laughs> like, the whole episode. Like, Taylor minus two. Let's like, although if you're not careful, I'm going to give you a yellow card for like unsportsmanlike oh, conduct. Right. On the- <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. I understand. I got my warning. That's my verbal yeah. warning from the ref. All right. All right Mike, understood. if Bo wins. We'll have to send him some sort of award in the mail. Find his pop. We should. We should do that. We should just send him the like screening a case game. I bet you because he just seems like the type of person he'd actually find that pretty. Yeah. yeah. I I would be down for searching for that contact info to try. Add it to his Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah. You know, there's like an award <laughs> section. Yeah, <laughs> screening a case game. Nominated <laughs> one. <Yeah. laughs> and he's just looking at it like who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he'd find it funny. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely. If he does win, we'll definitely try to do yes. that. I agree. Yeah, so I think that'll vote, be great. Vote for him just so that we can send him an award. <laughs> well, and it's like besides supporting performance, our next category also is in the acting stream. So we're talking about the best leading performance. Now we're looking for the best lead performance from any film that Screening Kingston saw in the past year. Um, so I would like it's similar to kind of like the supporting. I think leading actor kind of makes more sense. People understand kind of what we mean mm. when we say leading actor. That said, the Oscars can't seem to get it right with Judith and the Black no. Messiah. But, you know, we're, we ain't the Oscars. Yeah, wasn't that ridiculous? The two leading roles in Judith and the Black Messiah are both supporting. I, just, I don't. Reason. Like, I don't, who's the lead in that movie? Is, yeah, I, I guess it's the camera is, like, is the lead. It's like, um, <laughs> the camera, yeah. Um, but what I would like from both of you when you give your nominees is in a single word, what is it? your defining quality for what makes a good performance in a single word. yeah oh. see this is why you should be giving us points for this. <laughs> um okay yeah so in a single word i think for me um huh okay i came up with something that was two words here let me try gravitas mm. they've got to command the screen when they're on it like for me is a best performance that's a leading performance you you focus on them you want to focus on them the story revolves around them but they bring this you don't want to look away to what they're doing exactly to me, that's when I don't want to look away. That's to me a great performance. Mm. Um, so my nominations are a little, uh, a, a little, little different because I, this is the category I think I struggled with the most. I, I definitely walked around my apartment with five or six names, trying to get down to two, yelling and screaming, and no one understanding why this is so important. Um, but I, I always go back to what does your instincts say when you first hear the category? What names pop under your head? And there's two I just couldn't forget. So first is Naomi Merlant from Portrait of Lady on mm. Fire. She played Marianne. Portrait of Lady on Fire was like the last film that I had seen prior to the pandemic starting. Me too. So I'd gone to the screening room, she went to see it. And I thought actually both both ladies in that film were, were phenomenal. Um, I kind of basically had to choose. I had them both on my list, but I had, I had to choose between them. Again, it was the gravitas. I couldn't stop watching her when she was on screen. And to me, that meant something um, in terms of the strength of performance, in terms of the strength of story. I really did like that film. Another one that to me kind of flew under the radar. You get these good films that sometimes people don't focus on. Portrait of Lady on Fire was one of those. So that's my first nomination. And my second one, um, it's Ronnie Rao from Black Cop. Oh. Uh, Ronnie Rao uh, for Black Cop. Uh, Black Cop is a movie that we talked about a lot. Um, for for its importance in in the world today, but also for the the terrible acting around him. <laughs> um, but he st- to me, I also think he stood out. He his acting was so elevated; it also helped make other people look not good. 
Um, he was a step above everybody else. He, if you don't have a good person in that role, you're not going to pull off this film. And even though we had our, you know, we had sort of our things about it, we came out of it with a lot of positive things about the movie. And I think he was the main positive point. So um, Ronnie Rowe is definitely my second nomination along with uh, Naomi Merlant. Perfect. Yeah. As a, and uh, Taylor, how about you? Uh, this probably will come as no surprise. Carrie Mulligan and Promising Young Woman. Yep. Um, Great pick. Oh, and uh, I forgot to describe my word pick, but I'll do it at the end. And then this might be a controversial pick, but I'm sticking to it. Sasha Baron Cohen and Borat's subsequent oh, movie film. Mm, good choice. What? And so, and uh, but why <laughs> the word I pick might explain why I picked Sasha Baron Cohen. So for me, a great actor is one who gives a very authentic performance, a very believable performance right like you're watching that movie and you're not seeing carrie mulligan you're seeing uh the character character. so yeah cassie yeah cassandra yeah yeah. so with sasha baron cohen the fact that even in 2021 people still don't realize that borat's a character that's hilarious yeah that people still didn't get it after like a second film but i think some of that comes down to the fact that he is just he so inhabits borat and it's such even though it's outrageous and that's part of the satire that he's showing these you know (laughs) even though you think this outrageous person is real like anyways so um I think he deserves a nomination. I didn't see um, Trial of, of, the of the Chicago 7, which he did yeah. get a nomination and maybe even won mm-hmm. at the Golden Globes. But I thought I thought Globes. that was the cowardly way out. Like, give him, <laughs> give him the nomination for Borat. So that is <laughs> why I, I'm bringing justice to Borat. And that would be my second nomination. I like that, especially because like he's doing all of this kind of without a script, like he's acting off of like non-actors in a way that is like really impressive. Like it feels his it just feels natural, right? Like how I think that is the mark of a good actor is that you're able to um, make it believable, right? Isn't that what acting is? Suspension of disbelief. And you, you don't see the. With some performances, you can really see the the gears turning, right? Like they're acting. But with <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen yeah. and Carrie Mulligan this year, like it just felt so natural. Like it felt like real people, even though it's such an elevated, outrageous story. Both of them, um, yeah. So that's that's it. That's an interesting four four nominees for that category. Very different. Yeah. Four very very different nominees from four very different movies. Awesome. That's going to be an interesting one to choose from for sure. Um, before we move on to our next category, I think it's time for our first game break. Woo-hoo. All right. All right. So this first game is for Taylor, and it's actually another round of casting with Taylor. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love so it. <laughs> we all know that Taylor isn't exactly the first, second, or third person on screening in Kingston to bring up Star Trek. Um, <laughs> now, now, it seems once again that the movies are actually going to be going in a new direction with a new cast, but the same characters. So, like, uh, Austin wants Taylor to recast the three main roles of Star Trek. That would be <laughs> James T. Kirk, Spock, and Dr. Leonard McCoy. Um, oh, man. <laughs> so I don't know what you know about these characters, uh, Taylor, if you know what One's they look an like. Alien. Spock yeah. is an alien. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah so... Kirk is <laughs> Captain Kirk's a human. 
He is. Yep. And then what was the third one? Uh, Leonard McCoy. Uh, is he oh. a computer? <laughs> oh, this is going well. <laughs> uh, no, he's also a human. He's the ship doctor. Um, oh. And- and so Scottish. James Kirk was originally, I was like, no, so that's the engineer, Scotty. Um, <laughs> so so okay, James Kirk sure. was originally played by William Shatner. Yeah. And then in the remake, he was played by Chris Pine. He's kind of like the arrogant uh, go-getter, but he's like, um, who actually, but can like usually figure out the right choice to make in any given situation. Um, Spock is the, like a very logical, rational alien. who's played by Leonard Nimoy originally, and then played by Zachary Quinto in the remake. And then uh, McCoy was the kind of gruff, angry doctor with a like his wears his heart on his sleeve. He was played by um, DeForest Kelly in the original, and then played by Carl Urban in a surprisingly good Fantastic. turn as the character. Carl Urban, in, yeah, he was great. in the recast. So those are the three characters. Can you think of like the current crop of actors working today? And let's say that we're trying to get the, keep them somewhere between like twenty and forty. Um, what do you got for us? I think for the for Spock, I'd love to see um guys, this is what happens when you put me on the spot. I can't remember <laughs> anyone. Well, describe name. them. I'm sure one of us can figure out the name. <laughs> um, he's the new baddie in uh in Star Wars. Uh Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver as Spock. <laughs> yeah. Cuz he's tall and can look like an alien. You know what was funny when you were describing Captain Kirk? I was like, "Oh, Chris Pine," and then, like one of the Chris's. One of the Chris's. One of the Chris's. Yeah. Um. Okay. So you know, so many people have gotten canceled in the last couple years, so it's hard to pick anyone. Yep. Uh, I know I definitely have to stay away from um, <laughs> Army Hammer. Yeah, Army, Mr. No Hammer. Army Hammer <laughs> um, nominations. Okay, so. There's an angry doctor, mm-hmm. doctor on Star Trek. Oh, you googling? Yeah, I want to see what he looks <laughs> Great. like. She's so I don't far, even we have know. Adam Driver as Spock. That's, yeah, that's I don't even know who those actors are. So an angry, you know, and when I was thinking of like angry, I was thinking of um, uh, the man in the lobster. Uh, Colin Farrell? Yeah, Colin Farrell is the doctor. Or is he too old? He's you know what? He's uh, he's older than expected, but he looks still surprisingly young. Is he just has to lose the the lobster weight, and he should have like the the right uh, <laughs> the right style. And then, so Captain Kirk, he's like the leading man, right? Like he he's has the leading to... man. Okay. A little bit of a womanizer. He's like um, he's like very uh, kind of sure of himself. Um, but then, so it makes it all the funnier when he gets humbled. Gosh, oh gosh, wow. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on. <laughs> this is tough. So this has been the hardest casting you've ever had to do. I yeah, guess. he's yeah. got to be kind of sexy, right? Like that's yeah. kind of okay. Um, kind of sexy, but funny when he gets taken down a peg. Mm-hmm. Okay, give me a second. Can we come back to me while I think about this? Of course. You want us to stop? Well, here, you know, Tyler, interesting to bring up Star Trek. I don't know if you've heard about this, uh-uh. um, but the so they released that the, there is going to be another Star Trek movie in this current crop of characters like Ooh. Chris Pine. But no, no, hold on. I did woo too until I heard the rest of the line. Oh, no. Written by the person who is the lead writer of Star Trek Discovery with their own original idea. 
So that made me go, oh, what? Like, it's like, oh, Chris Pine's coming back. Ew. And then Star Trek Discovery people just writing it. let Simon Pegg do it. He did yeah, such like, a good job the last Star- time. Actually, Star Trek Beyond was the best of the three new ones. And yeah. It was written by a Star Trek fan who knew what he was doing. Like the trail, the first trailer is what hurt that film. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the film itself. It was very good. But anyway, that's a thought of it bit of a star trek news that they are planning a, a fourth movie with this current cast well i guess this makes sense because they are also they have like new seasons of picard coming out new seasons of lower decks like all of those they're they're really like going i think the the there was a paramount has kind of figured out that they're like oh this is our only surviving franchise we need to mm-hmm. try and like get Literally. this thing up to the same caliber as the others and it's um I, i'm hoping i'm always hopeful Always optimistic, but rarely is that proven uh, a good a good strategy. My, I'm gonna say either this is gonna be complicated. We would have to rejig the cast, but obviously, um, we don't have time for that. So, um, Spock, Adam Driver, yep. and then Kirk, uh, Captain Kirk, either Taron Egerton, if you wanted to go, like he's like a young captain, or you know who is I'd like to see a little bit more of. Zach Efron. Docker a point. <laughs> Docker a point. Because you're describing someone who's like kind of sexy, has a lot of ego, but would be able to do a little bit of comedy when like when humbled. I think Zach Efron is like I was with you on the Taron Edgerton thing because I'm sure him and Adam Driver like that would be a pretty good combo. But come on, Zach. Because that's yeah, that's the other thing you have to think of charis like a uh, uh, chemistry. So okay, yeah. Taron Egerton and. Adam Driver, and then the again, I just think when I think of like angry, I think of Colin Farrell. <laughs> like it's hard to. <laughs> okay, but and we'll have a de-aged Colin Farrell okay, is like oh, yeah. playing the, is like playing the the third role. Okay, we okay. have the technology. Okay, we have the technology. Okay, so I'm actually quite quite intrigued by the Adam Driver one. Is like um, I think that he can play stoic. Is like he has the weird bone structure that kind of Leonard Nimoy has. You just mm-hmm. put some pointy ears on him and have him stand up straight. I think he's probably got the role. Um, it's like Taron Egerton. Yeah, I haven't heard him without the uh, the English accent, but um, that would be interesting. Though, he's like, but I think it would be interesting, yeah. and he definitely has the rough and tumble kind of is like a nature that would be needed for someone like that. Um, and for Colin Farrell, like I, I'm very impressed with how he's been able to kind of become like a chameleon throughout his is a career of being like Alexander the Great one second, Bullseye from Daredevil the next, and then Yorgos Lanthimos's weird stoic mouthpiece in like several of his movies, like The Lobster. Yeah. like so. I think like that would be an interesting one to say. Similar, if Carl Urban can pull it off, I think he can. I'm gonna throw out another suggestion: who could play either the doctor or the captain and is younger aaron taylor johnson oh yeah <laughs> is he canceled i don't know he's no not, he's, he's just not canceled. he's he's just so boring he's just like looking you at a like so? wood yeah okay. doctor another point for that one for sure <laughs> i i right. like him i think he's <laughs> but Maybe I'm just going for. Hey, it's your cast. I mean, we'll just. <laughs> Maybe I'm just going for eye candy. <laughs> Maybe I think two out of the three would get praised, and then we'd be all the critics would be bashing, and Star Trek fans would be bashing your third pick there. But <laughs> I'm I'm quite impressed with the Adam Driver one. I hadn't even considered that, yeah. but he's standing right in front of my face. So it's like, so we're gonna award I think 15 points for Adam Driver. We're gonna go 10 points. It was like for um, it's like the uh, for Taron Egerton, and then I think five points for the kind of for McCoy because I think he's 
he's a difficult one to like to cast. I would have thought that Carl Urban would have failed, um, but I'm excited by what you're presenting by the age Carl is a Colin Farrell. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think if they told me he was going to be McCoy, that would be my uh, like my cue to jump out a window. So minus it was 100, like, minus 100 so, points. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So why don't we do Mike's next? So it's like, uh, Mike, we're moving on to a different is like franchise. Uh, oh, one is like one that isn't is like uh, Star Trek, but it's still been brought up very uh, many times on the uh, the show. But this one is actually going to be a uh, a timed is like a thing. A timed thing. Yeah. Okay. So in thirty seconds, okay, you have to describe the like the uh, the sport quidditch from harry potter in as much detail as possible <laughs> what? and go wait, wait, hold on hold on wait a minute wait a minute taylor gets to cast star trek and i have to do this yep <laughs> all right hold on just count me in count me in, okay count me in. <clears throat> three two one go Okay, so Quidditch is played on brooms. So there's about five or six players per each side, um, and everyone's up in the air like about 20 feet. You have three rings at each end that your point is you have to score a ball that's called a quaffle through the rings, and that gets you 10 points. You obviously have to defend your own rings from the other team, and you have to score on the other one. So you've got the different players flying around with this ball called the quaffle and you're throwing it in trying to get points. And then you're trying to stop that person. The ways you can stop them is by stealing it or they've got these other little balls that are flying around called bludgers. You can hit those with bats. And with time. Two what? <laughs> that was 30 seconds? I was it's counting that's... it right off of the thing that we're looking at on the top. <laughs> you did really I didn't good. Even get, I didn't even get into the snitch. <laughs> you did really good though, Mike. Did you play Quidditch on the Queen's team when you no, were at No, no. I've read all the Harry Potter books and I've watched um, all the movies, but I'm actually, it's interesting that this question came up because I'm actually fascinated by Quidditch because I actually think it's one of the stupidest sports you could ever think of because what I didn't get into is at the same time this game's going on and you're throwing these balls, two other players are chasing a small golden ball called a snitch. And if you catch that, it's 150 points for your team. So it's it's like you're playing soccer and at the same time, two of your players are playing chess and whoever wins the chess game gets 150 points. So the sco- soccer game almost becomes irrelevant. Yeah. And it effectively <laughs> ends the game too, which is, yeah, it ends the, the game. Yeah. Which I think is one of those interesting things about Quidditch in the way that like, there could be interesting strategies. Like if your team is behind, you don't want to catch is like, ends like if they're like more than 150 points behind, you don't want to catch the snitch as the seeker. So you have to wait is like, and try to like turn is like, um, kind of disrupt is like, um, disrupt the other is like seeker is like for long enough for your team to get enough ahead so that the 150 points will matter yeah but um yeah as, a, as a, i would say that was very admirably done very well done is like it's a, unfortunate you didn't get to the snitch because that mm-hmm. is sadly one of the most i would say famous is like uh parts of it so but, uh minus 150 points oh he didn't get the <laughs> snitch he didn't get the snitch that's true. That's true. He didn't get the snitch, but I, like, I, I'm going to be, a, I will be a, a, a like a lenient, uh, like points master in this case. We're going to go for 25 points. Okay. So who's winning? Currently, Taylor's in the lead with 30. Ha ha! Because you haven't docked any of the points that she should be docked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
moving on <laughs> moving on we'll move on to the next of our categories um so this is where we're going to start deviating from the usual oscar awards categories and move more into very show specific ones and we're going to start with the most taylor scene so taylor <laughs> is a moviegoer with who has tastes that can range from the weird to the scary to the horror encrusted um but with that in mind it was like we have to posit the question what scene in film was the most taylor scene or moment that we've seen this past year um, and so for both of you, when you give your, like, uh, your nominees, it'd be nice if you could provide a little of your thought process for what actually makes a scene particularly Taylor-ish. Um, and what we need to start with Taylor in this one. Just go for it. Yeah. See what you got. <laughs> this was so hard because um, I don't, I guess I don't have a very good memory. It was hard to think back to <laughs> specific scenes, um, especially because a lot of the movies we watched in movie club, this the different movie clubs weren't necessarily Taylor movies. Like as twenty twenty was not a Taylor year in film. Let's you hated it. almost every movie club movie we did. Like almost every <laughs> single one. I was pretty. I was pretty disappointed. But um, so I'm trying to think. Okay, so what goes into a Taylor scene? Normally, it has to. It's probably going to be a little weird, a little bit kooky, um, a little bit spooky, um. You know, a little bit offbeat. I do love like world building. So if there's like a consistent imagery used or, you know, sets and stuff. So I was like, okay, it's hard to think. I was like, well, Promising Young Woman was the most Taylor movie by far in the whole year. Um, But it was hard to pick a single scene from that movie just because across the board, it was like a Taylor movie. So I didn't pick anything from Promising Young Woman. And instead, I chose the cult scene from Lovebirds. I don't know if this was a movie I reviewed. It wasn't part of a movie club, but I did give a review probably in the spring last year or the summer. It's available on Netflix. Um, And, you know, what are some Taylor Hallmarks? Cults. (laughs) (laughs) And it very much was like a scene from Eyes Wide Shut. And I think like on purpose they did that. So, you know, already it's hitting some of my boxes. The fact that it's like funny, stupid, like the comedy in that scene is like very much Taylor comedy. So I would say, yes, cult scene from Lovebirds. It's available on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet this year, go give it a watch. I'm pretty sure I rated it a see it. If not, it was a very, very strong stream it. And then I was like, okay, well, what other movie? Like, this was this category was really hard. And you'd think it would be the easiest one for me. <laughs> well, you'd think so. It's about you. But it was really hard. So I was thinking, okay, another, like, a very Taylor movie is, um, oh, my gosh, um, the dance, the ballet dance movie uh, set in Germany. Did you write any of this down? <laughs> okay, so the ballet dance movie. Suspiria, I remember this. This is the Suspiria. one. Oh, okay. Suspiria is a very Taylor movie, both the original yeah. and the remake. So I'm like, yeah. so that's like a quintessential Taylor movie. So it's like, okay, what had the closest feel to that type of movie, but didn't hit the mark? It would be the death scene from Neon Demon. So even though I did not like Neon Demon, it was a, a skip it for me. I thought as a whole, the movie was trash, but mm. I could see where it was trying to go. It was definitely trying to do like Suspiria, but with models instead of dancers. Mm-hmm. And the 
the death scene is like very spooky. You know, she's being chased through a dark mansion. So those would be the two most Taylor scenes of 2020. Keeping in mind that 2020 was not a Taylor year. <laughs> so this was <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Well, we'll see it's like, uh, what Mike comes up with then to see if he had um, an easier time coming up with scenes that he felt were exceptionally tailory. I came up with 27 and narrowed it down to two. Really? 27 scenes. Now, for me, my definition was, to me, a Taylor scene were scenes where if I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, I think Taylor's, her interest is now peaked. Well, yeah, that, that Ooh, would, that would think- be... That would this be the moment. definition. Yeah, that, that, that was so. I, I I had twenty seven in mind where I wow. where I just kept being like, wow, like th- this is a moment, and I I think because we co-host the show together, we watch every week. I often while I'm watching the movie, I often think like, I wonder what Taylor would think. Yeah. Of this movie. Like, I'm I think forward to our discussion, so I narrowed it down to two that I think are are quite Taylor scenes because they were the first two that popped in my head when I when I uh, did this cat when I like read the category, and I thought, okay. Go back to what you popped into your head when you first thought about it. Okay. And I, I stuck with two. One one you've cut movie you've actually mentioned. So from Promising Young Woman, it's the walk home scene. So with the, the walk donut? home scene with the donut yeah, that- and the kind of <laughs> the, the, the stuff dripping down. And it's like, is that blood? Is yeah. it not blood? Did she just kill someone? And you got the guys like yelling at her at, from across the street and like cat calling her. And she just sort of like stares them down. It made me near the beginning of this movie go like, wait a minute. Did she just... Did she just murder that guy? Like, you don't know. And it piques your interest. And it's like, uh, that. I remember thinking, oh, if that's what's going to happen, Taylor's going to love this movie. That is like, a it's, Taylor it's scene, go. Mike. So to me, that yeah, that walk home, That's that was my first one, Taylor scene. My second one is from a film you didn't like, I don't think. Or we, we well, it was a movie club that I don't think either. It's from The Ravenous. So mm. The Ravenous was the French zombie movie. That we watched near one of the first. No, mine books? was mine was a see it. I rated. Oh, you liked it. Okay, you did like it. Okay, yeah. so the scene I'm thinking is the first shot in in the um in the the you know that they're out in the field and, and they, they're, they're building the, first, the building. Yes, yeah. the first time you see them building that very cult like, very weird. The fact that they're kind of standing there, kind of that horror element. But I also thought the framing of it very Wes Anderson. Yeah. Frame it in the middle of the screen, wide shot, people all around, very Wes Anderson kind of look to it. To me, that's another Taylor scene. The first time that you ever see them building that little thing. See, I completely forgot movie. about that. That is a very, <laughs> that's very much like it follows that mm-hmm. slow tension buildup, the, un- the, the uncanny, right? Like you're looking at it and you're like, that's not right, but I can't put my finger on why that's not right. You yeah. know, like. It's not, it shouldn't be creepy that they're building a giant tower with discarded furniture, but it is creepy. So yeah, that definitely would be a Taylor scene as well. Well done, Mike. It's, I, I, that's very good. Like those are two very good ones. And I should mention that, um, depending on what song was playing in the walk home scene and, uh, promising young woman, that would make it an even more Taylor scene. I do, yeah, I don't remember offhand what the so, song was, but I I know it fit. Like everything in that movie to me fit use, really well. So use it just of worked. use of music. Does yeah. it feel like this movie would could be taking place in the eighties? Because again, the eighties are like an uncanny decade where everything looks like kind of weird. All of that hallmark of a Taylor movie yeah. or scene. So good there job, go. Mike. 
Yeah, it's very vote, well done. Vote for mine. Good job, all <laughs> Taylor approved. Vote. I might vote for Mike's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Taylor approved scenes. Well, I have to say that I completely forgot about the ravenous, and now yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking again, like, what was up with that parrot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good question. It bothered me for weeks. <laughs> All right. Well, the next one is like we're keeping on brand, but kind of like shifting is like a 180 to go at the best micisms. So we all have our habits, our phrases that get us through the day. Um, and one of the great things about recording so many conversations and posting them on the internet is that people that you barely know can get to know yours from afar. So what is the best micism that shows up on the show? And uh, also, was it easy for you folks to come up with your particular micisms? No. Because <laughs> I'm Mike, so I don't always know I'm doing them. It's just like <laughs> I Austin points them out. <laughs> it's like I didn't know that I'm taking crazy pills was like a Taylorism, you know. No, like you do you, say it a lot, yeah. <laughs> but like you don't when you're you don't think you're saying it a lot until someone no, you don't. points it out. No. Even that's the thing. Even in editing the show and going back, you're you're not focusing so much on the words being said. It's the timing where they're being said. If there's something you know you have to cut out. Like the editing process is still very passive in that way. So you mm -hmm. don't always pick up on these little things, which is funny. Yeah. Well, I guess it's only fair to start with Mike this time. Yeah. I mean, this was hard um, because Austin gave a couple examples when, when he sent the list. And I was looking at those being like, okay, so that's the type of thing that we're supposed to be looking for. And I found it hard phrasing. Like mm -hmm. I, I really had it hard for me to pick up phrases or words that I keep using just because those are the things I don't know I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I went with I went with more of the things I bring up on occasion, and I think I think people would agree. One of the one of the micisms of this show is me bringing up my theater background. Um, it's yep. on the bingo card. It's been talked about before. <laughs> that was kind of what I was thinking. If it makes it to the bingo card, that's probably a good good micism. So yeah, I think bringing up my theater background was number one, mm -hmm. um, and number two, mentioning Star Trek. Uh, yeah. Because I, I mention it on occasion. And that to me, that includes everything. That includes m me taking a shot at uh, Alex Kurtzman yeah. or talking about why Star Trek is so good or comparing movies to what Star Trek did. I think those are two of the big Mike-isms that I do all the time. And sometimes I don't even mean to. It just slips out. So again, we have overlap, Mike, but I changed the phrasing a little bit. So you don't have a very good memory on the show. Um, or in general. So oh, okay. often what you do... I don't... You're telling me I don't have a good memory? You, Taylor, are telling me I don't have a good memory? All right. Hey, you've even said it on the show, Mike. But okay, anyways, right. why I bring it up is because often what you do is you go, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. <laughs> and then you say, but my background is in theater. <laughs> <laughs> normally you preface your your background in theater by saying i don't know if i've mentioned this before mike we know we know your background is in theater sometimes i do that as a joke to be fair. <laughs> sometimes i'm joking but yes I, I guess i do say i don't know if i've mentioned this before yes okay. and then fair my enough. my second category we haven't been talking about it so much lately but you ripping on her smell oh yeah yeah that that yeah i know that one i'm familiar with yeah. that one yeah oh, what a film i mean i just I, her smell yeah yeah that's I, fair I, I i agree with the i agree with the words but the tone isn't right it was what a film that's the <laughs> <laughs> so i was also you didn't see i was putting film in quotations oh i forgot I, we all can't see each other sorry quotes. it's a it's an audio medium sorry i forgot uh, <laughs> I, I felt the bile through the okay, through the yes. airways it was I'm glad good. that came through <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, those are interesting micisms. Yeah, those are good ones. Um, so we have one more before we get back to another game. Um, and this one is the worst movie club film. Ooh. So you, I think we it's like the Screen Kingston's had four movie clubs. Um, if we include the movies from a hat, it's like over if, if that are you counting that as one? Uh, yeah, I would have counted that yeah. as one. Yeah. So it's like um. And so throughout that time, you've watched many movies. Um, so the question here is presented. What was the worst film from any movie club? And why was it Under the Skin? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't even pick Under the Skin. <laughs> I did. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. So we'll, we'll let Taylor go first so you okay. can start. <laughs> so uh, apologies. I think these are both Tyler Vance movies. I, so, I have. I expected as much. I'm ready for this. <laughs> um, Enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ta- Taylor, we have our first official crossover where well, we both give the same thing. We'll get to that in a second. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. I just wanted to say I have one of those two movies I have on my list. I thought Under the Skin and Enemy were both very boring. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, obviously, Under the Skin had the um, added negative of ScarJo. Um, mm. I don't understand why people think she's a phenomenal actress because, again, I feel like I can see the gears turning in her head when she's trying to act. <laughs> so um, that already is a thumbs down. And I just felt like, oh, my gosh, like, <sighs> I don't know. I just didn't like the portrayal of like it was trying to make a we discussed this a lot during the movie club about like, what is it trying to say? And I'm like, well, I don't even whatever the filmmaker is trying to say in this movie, I don't even feel like they're in a position to be able to say what they're trying to say. And then the ending like really turned me off. So um, that's why under the skin is my worst movie of the year. And then enemy as well, like talk about it, like felt like it was trying to be a Cronenberg movie, but like, again, was like very boring and like not, very memorable like and it sucks because i love jake gyllenhaal and i think he's a phenomenal actor um hey maybe jake gyllenhaal can be in the new star trek yeah yeah he would he would he would be great yeah he would be great just as an aside well, we're already past that <laughs> i think we got to talk about how many points am i behind by five talk about five points but anyways that's my um that's my movie club picks enemy so I, and I, under the skin I agree with you on Enemy. So Enemy, I'm sorry, Tyler, I'm just jumping right in. That's enemy fine. Go for it. Is is one of the ones I selected. So we both selected Enemy. I just think that movie sucked. Mm. It was boring. It didn't do anything. It wasn't interesting. And unlike some of the other Tyler Vance movies, there was moments where I can like, okay, I can see the appeal here. I can see the intrigue. I didn't see it with Enemy. I just think it had no purpose and no point in why watch it. And then my other one, and this came up in a movie club, Into the Woods. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not. That was close for me, Mike. (laughs) Into the Woods is one of the reasons why I hate movie musicals. Everything they did wrong, they did wrong there. I love musical theater. Love musical theater. Don't like movie musicals. Hey, guys, I don't. Always done wrong. I don't know if you know this, but Mike loves (laughs) musical theater. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but I have a theater background and I produced a lot of musicals. And honestly, my amateur productions of musicals are better than, than Into the Woods. Like Into the Woods is that bad. It doesn't matter how t- much talent it was bad. It was it bad. It was terrible. Yeah, Johnny Depp cannot sing. Stop casting him in, in musicals. It was awful. So Into the Woods and Enemy. It made me not want to see it live. And yeah. it's really good live. It's one of my favorite musicals of all time. 
Yeah, it was that one was one of the few ones where like I remember getting to what I thought was the end of the movie, like oh thank God it's over. And I'm like, there's still another hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What? not done. <laughs> um, yes, well, it's like I un- I was I prepared myself for under the skin and enemy to get thrown under the bus, and that's fine. That's cool. We'll all we'll still always have your name as the one shining example of a Tyler movie that actually managed to play well in screening in Kingston. That I will it hold on. It was very good. Your <laughs> was name was very movie. good. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very good. So speaking of um, Taylor's unbridled hatred for Scarlett Johansson. Oh, God. Um, like <laughs> one of the, the games that Austin has put forward is like actually is a pithy title he's called Scar Joe or Scar No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Scar Joe or, or Scar, Scar No? no. Yeah. Great, great. So. The the premise behind this is that Scarlett Johansson has signed up for four upcoming film projects, <laughs> and through some nondescript incantations and occult powers, Taylor is able to remove only two of her from two of these projects, meaning that the other two are going to go through to fruition. So Got Taylor, it. you have to tell us Scar Joe or Scar No for the f- like following four film projects. Wait, so that means that she can only eliminate two. She can only eliminate two. So, so I'm so going to list. So Scarlett Johansson has to be in two of these. She it's has the to be in two of, two of these. the lesser of two evils. I'm picking the lesser of two evils. Exactly. Cool. So I'm presenting, I'm going to I'm gonna list off the four and then you have to decide which two you're going to let Got her it. stay in. Okay. okay. So number one, she's going to star opposite Mads Mikkelsen in a film directed by Wes Anderson. Um, two, she's going to be the main subject or person that the Warrens must help in the next Conjuring film. Oh, Three, she's going to be the new member of the Man from Uncle team in the much-needed no! sequel, probably replacing no! Army Hammer. <laughs> and four, she's going to replace Carrie Mulligan in a remake of Promising Young Woman. Okay, so can I just say, yeah. hats off to you, Austin, because I this think is... you picked four things that Taylor like kind of loves. These yeah! are like all the most Taylor things. I looked at it, and I just laughed so hard. When I was... <laughs> like, Taylor, you have to let ScarJo be in two of these things. Like, what? Okay, so it's... Obviously, I would never want her to touch Wes Anderson or Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. So eliminated, like Makes easy, sense. easy choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, oh, can you re- real quick re- repeat the second one? So the second one is she's going to be the main subject or person that the Warrens must help in the next Conjuring film. Right. OK, I think I would keep her in that. Um, and then the third one. Was a new member of the Man from Uncle team in the much yeah, okay. needed sequel. Definitely take her out of that. Yeah, but no question, no question. Again, don't think she can act, so I don't know why she keeps getting parts. So no. And then I would say she could stay in the remake of Promising Promising Young Woman because I just wouldn't watch that. Like I already like, have nope. the first. I already have the that first would, one. That would completely like, even though I don't hate Scarlett Johansson like you do, that would completely destroy that movie. Though. Yeah, it's just the wrong cast, like wrong, complete wrong like, actress for that. I role. don't even like. I don't even think the Promising Young Woman would be what it is. Complete today. wrong actress. She's the complete wrong actress for every movie she's in. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> But uh, uh, I think that's a no-brainer because often what happens with, like, reboots of movies that I love, I just don't engage with the remake. Because, like, you already have, you know, you have the original, right? So same with, like, there's always a lot of talk about how they're going to reboot The Crow. We're going to reboot The Crow. Like, every year they have a new male lead. And likely, like, I would say, like, 95% chance I'm probably just not going to watch the new one unless the casting was just like so good right now they're talking about tom hiddleston and again it's like nah 
pass. And I like Tom Hiddleston, but nah. Yeah, I don't think he could do that. Although he surprised me in the past, so maybe. Um, you brought the exact right level of vitriol and spite that I was hoping you were going to to this, <laughs> so you get 40 points for that one. Good, good job. 40 points. Yeah. Um, okay, so for Mike, your, is like a, your game is actually called Direct Produce Act, and it is kind of a, um, a play on the uh, age-old game of Blank Mary Kill, um, where you basically are given three movies and is like trust me they will be three movies that you don't like and you have to decide <laughs> that you are going to have to direct one of them produce one of them and act in one of them and you have oh, to decide okay. which one's which are you gonna is it, are you ready and i have to be in like uh, there's you no, have to okay. there's no there's I'm no way sure. out gun to your head okay. world ending <laughs> cataclysm reigning you have to direct produce and act okay. at least one of the following three you ready yep okay so the three are her smell a california christmas and a simple favor <laughs> Direct, produce, <laughs> act. Which one gets which? Pull, pull the trigger, my man. <laughs> pull, pull, pull the trigger. <laughs> Life's not worth living. Go. Um, the end of the world. There we go. Yeah. Oh yeah, the world's gone. Um, okay, okay. So I assume that if I can direct or produce or act, I can only do like I can only impact the film. What's in the limitation? Exactly. Of so if you're going to direct her smell, it means you can change all the things that a director can, but the script stays the same. The actors gotcha. and performances stay the same. You are effectively just trying to salvage what that. you can. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Stepping into that one role can only do what I can within it. Okay. Exactly. Um, okay. Cause okay. So her smell, a California Christmas and a simple favor. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is tough. Th- does it matter? Like, who am I playing? I'm just in it. Is like if you're gonna <laughs> act, you can decide who you want okay. to like to be in it. You can okay. be uh, so, Blake Lively. I can be Blake Lively. No, it's not gonna improve that movie. Um. Okay. So I think. Okay. This is the thing because public perception somewhat matters in in your film career. And a simple favor, without a doubt, was the most well received movie. Mm. So I think I would just produce that. Because your name's just on it. It's well received by by other people. There's a lot of stars in it. You, If anyone didn't like it, you can be like, well, I mean, I'm a producer on it, but I don't really have that much say in anything. Um, so I would just be like, yeah, uh, I'll produce that film. There's people in it. It's a good way to get my name out. Um, <laughs> this is tough because I really don't want to be in or direct her smell. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But like my other choice is a California Christmas. Which but don't you think it would be great to be able to direct um what's her name? The lead in her smell. Elizabeth Moss? Yeah. That would be yes. a cool. A I just cool don't know if I can imp- I just don't know if I can improve that movie, Taylor, because I'm not given the writing credit options fair, in fair. movies. Like yeah, that's the yeah. problem. Because that's the thing. Like, okay, maybe you're right, Taylor. Because I think I would want to direct her smell because I can have at least the most creative control possible to try to make sense of that nonsense. Because she's so talented that I feel like there's something there. And clearly Tyler loves this movie. I don't know why, but like clearly there's something here. So at least I'm working off of something. If you're directing California Christmas, it's like you're directing two models and it's like, you're not going to get anything. And, off of and then you so can I might as well, you, I might as well just be in it and I can make out with the girl. Like that's it. Like that's like, <laughs> I, I might as well just say, do that. I was going to say, you could be like an extra and be able to. <laughs> be, no, no, the- no, no, no. I'm taking on that lead role. If I have to be in this garbage, I'm taking on the lead role opposite the woman who wrote it. I'm getting um, a paycheck. I'm getting a paycheck. <laughs> I'm going to do the role. She's, she's seems nice, I guess. I don't know. Um, 
not a horrible way to spend an afternoon. There you go. I'll just get the paycheck. And like that guy, I mean, I said that the guy was the only one who showed any sort of acting gravitas. As I've mentioned before, I have a theater background. So I feel like I can bring something to that role and just try my best. At least if I came out of it looking good, that's good enough. So there you go. I would I would act in a California Christmas, direct her smell and produce the the almost equally awful um, it's a simple favor. I think that's probably a good call because as much as I love her smell, I think acting in her smell is like against Elizabeth Moss, who is no, like being such an yeah. un like unbridled terrible person in that movie. It's like I yeah. think that would actually do me some psychological damage. So I think and you made I think the right that, choice. Like, when you're when you're up against other talented actors, you have to know your strength. I'm not a, I'm not a, a an amazing actor, so I'd rather be in a California Christmas where everyone's on a lower level and you can kind of shine. Rise yeah. to the occasion. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas the simple favor and her smell. There's a lot of great people in it. And you're right. The psychological stuff in her smell would be a lot to handle. So yeah, yeah. those are my choices. Sweet. All right. Well, is for that, once again, you you brought the same level of um, discontent and um, and kind of general unease, but also analytical thoroughness that I thought you would. So you also get the, the, the top amount, which is 40 points. Why Excellent. did you choose 40 as the top <laughs> point amount? I shall not be questioned. My <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> this is your thing. Because of math. <laughs> math. He used his scientist brain to... Oh, okay. All the maths. <laughs> All right. So... Back to the categories. So we have a few more of that are kind of fall into the uh, podcast specific before we get to the, the big show, which is the best uh, film of the year. But before that, we start with best guest. So let's find out who our hosts think has been the best guest on the podcast at any time. And we'll finally get to see them play favorites is what Austin says. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start with uh, Mike for this one. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this was definitely hard. We've had a lot of amazing guests. Um, and I just, uh, to make it easier on me, I decided to really interpret the question on the, the name guest. So I eliminated guest hosts mm, from yep. my, oh, I went with, who did oops. I, who did we bring on to talk to? <laughs> no, that that's fine, Taylor. I, I, this was just more, I did it for myself to make got it, it easier. Got it. Um, because I see Tyler and, and Matt and Nicole and Andrew and Ben and all these people were brought on as as guest hosts. Got it. They're coming on to be kind of part of it. Whereas I decided to make it easier. Why don't I focus on the people we brought in to talk to, um, to to interview, to really talk about their mm. thing. So I went with Wendy Hewitt from the screening room. Oh yeah, good she, choice. Without That's a, a doubt, been one of our best guests. Always brings it. Really good insight. I think our fans love the behind the scenes stuff. So we, we like to bring Wendy on. And then the Skarowitz directing team from our CBC interview. Um, oh, they, yeah. They did the, the documentary for Nature of Things. I thought that was just a great insight into filmmaking where we, we, we get insights, especially recently at different levels. We get the, the amateur young filmmaker who's, who's getting started. And it was nice to hear from two filmmakers that are like someone's in the middle of their career and someone's kind of near the end of it. Like he, Mark Starwitz has been directing for years. He's been doing films for years. So it was kind of nice to see that father daughter team. And I thought they really brought a lot of cool insight. So those were my two nice cool. choices. How about so, you Taylor? Um, and this isn't just because your points master this mm. episode, Tyler, oh, but I would say Tyler, our star Trek correspondent and movie club host is one of our best guests. You're just so consistent and you're such a joy to have on the show and you really are so thoughtful. 
you know, like we, Mike and I are just two idiots who talk about movies, but like you actually are articulate and are coming from like a really cool place. So Tyler would be my one. And then. Wow. Really playing to the host. <laughs> playing to the points. A hundred points for Taylor. And then Nicole, our TIFF correspondent and our co-movie club host also again so thoughtful brings a really fresh perspective um and is honestly again not being biased because she is my oldest friend but like when you talk cinephile like nicole really knows what she's talking about because she lives breathes eats movies that's her lifeblood so um nicole and tyler honorable mentions Aparachita and Val <laughs> my dear friends who came on the show to talk about um the platform movie we watched that was a lot of fun and I was just um happy I got to have my two my two gym girls on the on the call and then Missy Nicole's partner when she came on for the Christmas episode um or was one of our Christmas episodes so I Again, like Mike said, we ha- this category was so hard because it was. Yeah. Um, all of our guests are so wonderful, and they a lot of them just started out as fans, like Tyler, for instance, just as a fan of the show. And so it really goes to show that our program is only as good as our fans. And yeah, I just it this was like choosing your favorite child or like whatever, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> So, um, Nicole and Tyler, again, I think they're on the show the most. Um, and so that's why I went with them. But everyone we've had on the show, not just in 2020, but in past years, um, everyone has been so wonderful. So thank you all. Yeah, well, you've, you guys have definitely had a very like wide range of like of hosts from like really good Canadian talent to like really close friends that you have a great rapport with to just, you know, people that emailed enough. That annoyed you enough that you're like, yeah, sure, whatever, come on the podcast. Uh, yeah, and I, I can speaking as a fan, we all appreciate it. All right, so I think that makes it, that it's time for us to move on to the next category, which is the best fan question ever. Um, this show is very lucky to have very dedicated fans that write in questions. Some people writing in every single episode. Um, so what do our hosts think are some of the best fan questions that they've ever gotten? Okay, who wants who's starting? Oh, yeah, right. I'm supposed to be doing that. <laughs> um, let's go with Taylor this time. That's the producer and Mike. Okay, get get going. Come on. Yeah, like, what's all with this quick, dead air, quick, Tyler? Come quick, on. Quick go, we'll, go. we'll score you on hosting. <laughs> on um, Mike's only being salty because he knows he's losing. So that's... <laughs> um, I would say this one was really hard, again, because we get so many fan questions every episode, which I love. And sometimes we even do fan bag, uh, mailbag episodes, which everyone knows is literally my favorite episodes we do. Um, So it was really tough. And I don't want to pick favorites or single anyone out. But um, two do come to mind. And I apologize. I don't know who I can't remember who originally asked this question. But early in the pandemic, a fan wrote in for Mike to quiz me on my West Anderson knowledge. So mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. I'm biased, obviously, but I love when our fans write in games for us. Um, like Austin has been doing for the show. So I thought that was one of the better games because I love trivia and I love Wes Anderson. So I'm biased. That would be one of my questions. And maybe Mike can dig through our pandemic backlog and figure out who sent that in. Yeah, I'll find it. And then um, this question actually came out last week um, from Lily, 
when she asked if our show got canceled because of my comments about Army <laughs> Hammer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, like, again, just like, did Army cancel us? Did CFRC cancel us? Because I said something controversial. I don't know. But shout out to Lily. She always has such thoughtful um great questions and i thought this one was just hilarious we had a lot of concern that we were canceled a couple weeks back we just had technical difficulties but um i think that would be both horrifying horrifying and amazing that army's hammers army hammer's stretch was so far that he would be able to cancel our show Maybe maybe Bo Burham will when we start harassing his agent to try to get him like, this award. To, like, get rid of them. Shut them up. Who are these people? Why do they keep emailing me? Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. And then uh, Mike, how about you? Well, this was very, very hard. And and to me, it came down to to individual questions. Whereas, because I mean, if, if, if this was people like Lily... Josh and you, Tyler, always bring it with questions. Like Josh has emailed every single week since he said he was going to, and he's kept it up. So like kudos to him because that's really hard. And I'm going to give him, just give him an honorable mention. The, the Taylor honorable mention goes to Josh because I, I didn't nominate him in the end. Um, and I went with individual, like what questions made us go like, how are we going to answer this? Or a really thoughtful discussion was created. Um, so the first one I have is, um, who do you think you are? Yes. I love um, that one. That's that one of my favorites. Came, that was our first in our first year. Yep. It was one of the first a classic. questions. Classic question. Who do you think you are? And I thought we, A, I thought we handled it very well. And I thought it just also began the the rise of like, we're going to get these random questions. It really set, the, t- it really set the tone, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, I can't remember who wrote it in. And I, I went back to try to find it. It might have been anonymous. Time. It might have been. Um, but who do you think you are still sticks in my head is what a question to ask someone. Um, and I think we just answered it honestly. And like, this is who I am. And this is like, I think we we kind of got a little cheeky with it. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really funny. So that that's my first one. And the second one, I I had to give a shout out to Chris fan of the show. Yes. Mm, Chris yeah. fan of the show comes with questions. And this came kind of early in the pandemic. And it was just a simple email. He just, you guys okay? it might have been we had technical issues we didn't know what was going on or i I think taylor and i were laughing like maybe we had a bad week the last week and our episode was bad because that's all the question was was you guys okay (laughs) so and i think that's a that's to me that's chris who gets to the point yeah not gonna not gonna sugarcoat it just ask the question chris has a question we have an answer so there you go all of of the show all of his questions are pretty good (laughs) yeah Um, pretty good I would. I also want to give a shout out to the guy who asked us what movies to show at his staff Halloween party, and then that was amazing. That and was then a great question. didn't the episode aired after the party, so he was like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't take I didn't any have, of your suggestions." Yeah. You guys, you guys are not prepared enough to answer my question. Yeah, yeah, that was. I think his name was uh, Tayson. Yeah, that was a really good. Yeah, and then he wrote it and told us what he ended up screening. Um, so that was good. Anytime, yeah, we get these one-off questions that are like, "Who do you think you are?" Like, th- yeah, those are those are all great too. So I like also there was a time when people wrote in asking like if Mike was okay because his voice had changed. They're like, your voice sounded different, Mike. Are you okay? We got a cold or something. I, like, I was sick. I remember that. That happened for weeks and weeks and weeks and we couldn't figure it out. 
Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I'm sitting beside him. He sounds the same to yeah. <laughs> yeah, this mine over here. Yeah, in studio. Yeah, it was very weird. Yeah, I think fan questions is what's made this show kind of unique and fun. I love you it. You can talk like talking about movies is awesome, and like the vision for the show from the beginning was, you know, fans of of movies just chatting like they would with their friends, just talking about movies, and it's kind of evolved to this fun community where people write in, and sometimes the questions are strange and personal and sometimes they're they're movie related and i think they're all of those are equally fun yeah well it's definitely been an interesting process to be a fan that writes in to a fan that listens um i do remember one of my favorites was actually lily writing in once and like asking um taylor to give kind of her recommendations for if you're introducing wes anderson yeah to a person what movie would mm. be and i remember thinking about that i'm like that's a really cool question. I hadn't actually yeah. thought about that one before. Very insightful. Yeah. And yeah. again, Lily made it on the bingo card, right? Like Tyler, you, you as a fan, you can pick up on these things sometimes more than we do. Because when we're in it, we're focusing on just doing the show. But you picked up on Lily's always very insightful mm-hmm. with all her questions. Always comes with an insightful question. And I think the person, I love seeing the personalities of the people come through the questions. Like that to me is, is so much fun. Yeah, whether you have Chris, who's just kind of like, you guys okay? Or Tyler, who writes a novel. It's like they're they're very much of themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got I to look up words through Google and then have it pronounce it back to me and then practice it like I'm back in theater school. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happens with your emails. I'm, I'm just, I'm glad to be able to expand the vocabulary. That's what I'm yeah. all about. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You so- make us all smarter. Oh, well, well, thank you. It's like, um, it's like I, sometimes I'm, th- I'm, th- I worry that I just make us all dumber. But it's <laughs> all right. So we have one category left: best movie from 2020. So this is akin to the Oscars' usual best picture. So we figured we'd end the show with the uh, the showstopper that the Oscars always pull out. Hopefully, it won't be like a Moonlight La La Land freakout like it was before. So, Kinsega, let's start with uh, Taylor this time. Give us your uh, two nominees for the best movie from 2020. So probably obvious, Promising Young Woman. It was Mm -hmm. my most anticipated movie of the year. And unlike movies in the past, like Joker or whatever, where like Mike and I are like amping up for it all year, this movie really did have amazing payoff. Like it was as good as I thought it would be. Uh, My second pick, this was really hard. Um, And it came down to what movie would I be most likely to watch again? I think sometimes the Oscars, they do, you know, Sometimes the movie that ends up winning, it is like a really good movie, but it's a movie that maybe I forget about it or I never see again. So I thought, okay, what has the most watchability for me? Because as a viewer, that's kind of what I'm more concerned about. So I chose Mank over Minari only for the reason that I would be more inclined to watch Mank again. Mm. Um, Minari was a very beautiful movie, um, very emotional for me, but sometimes with... um, sort of dramas or character pieces I don't feel the need that I need to go and rewatch. whereas Mank was um a fun movie to watch in a lot of ways um cinematography wise like it really hit the mark for me really great performances so um that's why I settled with Mank. but again this was very tough for me like Mank and Minari were like neck and neck yeah yeah good choices how about you Mike promising young woman uh, is <gasps> oh. one of my nominees absolutely um I couldn't agree with more with everything you just said, Taylor. The one thing I will say about Promising Young Woman is I think it was the best directed film of the year. Um, just everything that was done directing-wise worked. Choice of music, choice of cast, choice of, of how to stage and and use cinematography. Costuming. 
costuming was mm. phenomenal. The the tone was interesting, and when it when it deviated, it did it for a reason. Um, it was consistent, but with deviations and flows and things in there. So, promising young woman, I think is the best film. It will not win best picture this year, but I think it was best picture. Um, and then my other one, this is a film that just got completely snubbed and forgotten about. And I, I still think it deserves its dues. Um, the five bloods. Mm. Um, everyone knows I'm a Spike Lee fan. So maybe there's a little bias there. I really like his films. I like his storytelling. This, if this movie had come out in the fall and, and it could have, cause it's just over streaming. It could have come out at any point in time. It, it would have, I think, had a different look towards awards season because again, I thought the direction was extremely strong. I really liked the movie and I don't like that it got snubbed. So I had to put it in there again. I had, I had Minari as kind of a, a, a choice in here, but I just, Minari is going to win a bunch of stuff in a week. It's going to win a lot of things. It's well-deserved for that. I wanted to give so- something for me to, to a film that I, I really loved. And I think that, uh, again, just in terms of my like my own personal criteria for Best Picture, I would say The Five Bloods also has more watchability than Minari. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of nuance in there. There's lots of things you might miss that you'll you'll get the next time. I agree. Yeah. So we have our trifecta then going up for Best Picture. And it's going to be up to the Screening in Kingston audience to, no- like to vote on these nominees. Um, before we get to the conclusion of our episode, uh, we have one last game it's actually a trivia question that austin puts forward um and so the question is is like is uh going to the points are going to go to the person who can answer it first if you guys can oh. answer it at all is oh, it, God. and it is actually about your is that your past so screening kingston is now almost three years old you will be by the end of uh 2021 um and so he's pulling a, was like going really far back and thinking what was the first movie that both mike and taylor reviewed together as in you both saw the same movie and reviewed it together uh what <laughs> wait hold on what's the first movie that we reviewed together for this show yeah as in the first movie that the two of you was they both watched both the same on. movie and then is like, and you then know, you know the answer to this question? i do know the answer to this question it's written right down here austin was kind enough to provide it for me <laughs> I honestly, I could, I think the very first movie I saw was Nick Cage's movie. Um, Mandy. Mandy, yep. uh, which I really enjoyed. That's a Taylor movie for sure. But I don't think we both saw that. So I really. No, I was supposed to. And I, it was for our first episode. And I remember this. I was supposed to see it, but I, I got busy with my I'm new job. I'm stumped. So it okay, was so from. At the beginning. Yeah. At the beginning. Hold on. Yeah. So at the beginning, we were doing four or five films per show, and we were each seeing like two or something. Like it was separated. But I hold on. Wait. <laughs> give me a second. Give me give me ten seconds. Okay. I can't even think back to the movies we would have seen back then. <laughs> Aside from Mandy, Mandy was so memorable for me with it being the first one, and it just Ma- being. Mamma Mia. Is it Mamma Mia two? It is not Mamma Mia two. Which, ah. which episode is that one from? Like three or four. It was like really early. Was that one? Is like really? Is it because the answer that I have here is that it actually came from episode five, where you both reviewed Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, oh. I think. Oh, you know what? I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Crazy Rich Asians. I think we both saw that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so, cool. the, wow. so then those ten points instead of going to Mike to is like for the win. Instead, go to Austin, so he gets. 10 points there you Yay, go because yeah. he, he stumped us i didn't know that <laughs> wow Sweet. oh that's great 
All right, so we have a few final concluding things to come up before we end the episode. It's like, first of all, I've had a great time. This has been a lot of fun hosting one of these things. Um, it's like, uh, I don't think you'll be having me back in the near future to do so, considering how much I've lambasted you and given out yellow cards, but I've enjoyed the process. <laughs> hey, 20, yeah, you, 2021, Tyler. 20, yep. Yep. You've been no, you've been great. It's it's it, but it, you know, it's a little like letting go for the first time. Yeah. You yeah. Know, exactly. th this show has been so much that Taylor and I have been pouring a lot into it. And and she's right, even though we both kind of act like idiots on it, we care. We love we it. Do. We love doing it. And it today was kind of weird because we had to let go a little bit. It was yeah. a nice retrospective in a way. It was, <laughs> yeah. All kind of relaxing. This must be what it's like when we have guests on. And it's like, oh just talk about movies. Yes, just fun. And like <laughs> <laughs> don't have to like worry about moving the show along like that was kind of nice yeah 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 well to end this off austin has actually written something that he would like me to read for, like for you as a, a thank you for allowing him to produce this episode so i'm going to try to channel my inner mic and see if i can really just read this out on the fly without uh stumbling over myself let's see <laughs> Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello, Screen Game Kingston team, and of course, fans of the show. I am so excited to have been given this opportunity to produce my own Screening in Kingston episode. I hope that everyone enjoys it, even half as much as I did creating the fun segments and all the award categories. I wanted to say a big thank you to Mike and Taylor for giving me this amazing opportunity and fulfilling a major dream of mine for a long time. They did not have to agree to do this. They did not have to follow my direction in creating the episode, and yet they did, giving up their time in the generous way they always seem to do for their fans. I was wanted to th also wanted to thank Tyler Vance for agreeing to host this episode. Another thing that someone did not have to do, and yet Mike and Taylor said yes to asking him, which was really the big ask. And even more surprising to me, Tyler said yes to do so. You are all amazing, and I simply love listening to your thoughts on film. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I hope that you enjoyed the show. Well, thank you, Austin. Uh, you, you did a great job producing, and Tyler, you did a great job hosting. And I mean, I have to say, I, I agree with what Austin just said, Tyler. You saying yes to this is kind of the big thing. I mean, Taylor and I, we've always said, hey, whatever, fans, do whatever. It's fun for us. <laughs> but like, you didn't have to come on and do this. So the fact that you were willing to come host for Austin, he specifically requested you, was was really great. So thank you for doing that. Oh, no worries. It was slightly nerve wracking when I was first thinking about it. But as I progressed, I was going to like, it's okay. They won't let me mess up too bad. And so far, <laughs> I, I think know. we've done all right. <laughs> I think we did great. You did really it's great. The power, the power of editing. The power <laughs> of editing. Um, and so to finish us off, we have have to come through to the results of the game show portion it's like um ah. it's like so it's like with is like in second place with 65 points we have mike oh come on <laughs> recount recount count the votes okay, i'm gonna do some recounting some calculations on my excel spreadsheet here it's like, uh, yeah it still stands 65 <laughs> don't count the votes don't count the votes <laughs> And then in first place, we have Taylor with 70 points. Woo! That was uh, a close one. That was a, it was a close one. For Tyler, a million points for hosting. <laughs> Austin, I just have to say, Austin, two million points for putting the show together. Austin gave me a skill testing question. And Taylor just, you know, cast this thing and put ScarJo in things. I was the only one who had like a skill <laughs> testing in 30 seconds. Describe Quidditch. Like it's... I was, I was like, I'm just following the rules, Mike. Oh, There's nothing yeah. but to... Before we end off, Tyler, do yeah. you mind giving a little shout out 
to our Oscars pool and ballot that's up on the website. Of course. So the Oscar pool is a thing that Screening Kingston has been doing for several years. I have never won. I came close last year, but the year before that did abysmally. So I imagine that if this is like a usual sinusoidal wave, I should be back down into the doing abysmally this year around. Um, it is up on the website. I believe you can also, it's like a, if you find it through different links on the different social media, I know I found it through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just go onto the poll. It's like you sign up what you think is going to win for the Oscars. Um, I believe it is closing this coming Friday, is it? Correct. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, the results will be announced the uh, on the Tuesday when the show releases after the Oscars. So that should be April 28th, I think, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. When we Thank give you. our hot takes on the Oscar winners. And Mike. That's next week's episode. Yeah, Mike, yeah. we'll also summarize the winning from our, from the screening in Kingston Oscars, correct? Next week? Uh, well, I mean, we can, we can. I was going to keep it open longer, oh. but we can give people one week to vote. I was thinking maybe we could do that the week after the Oscars. Got but it. We can do it the same week. It doesn't really matter. Nope. I was just going to give people our fans like more time. The more okay. I leave we'll give them, open, we'll give the them more, more time to vote. We'll okay. give them more time right. to vote. But that See, can that's also how decisions get made <laughs> literally in real time. Um, but it'll be on the website as well, like an, another yeah, ballot. We'll, yeah, we'll put the ballot on the website by the time you're listening to the show. All the things are probably up there. So you can go check it out um, and cast your vote exact same way as the Oscars. We'll just do it the same way. Just fill it out. Submit. Very easy. Takes five seconds. Not hard at all. Cool. All right. Well, like, make sure to uh, like tune into like, Screening Kingston next week then to find out more about how the Oscars went down. It's like, um, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know how they're going to how the Oscars are going to go this year. Um, and then it's like a two weeks time in order to be able to see how the results of this lovely award show turns out. The um, more important of the two. Yeah, the more important, really. It's like the, as like, and also to see is like if Bo Burnham is going to start getting harassed from it's like a small town in it's like a Ontario for the next uh, foreseeable future. That's the most important thing. I hope so. That'd be fun. That would be we could do a Bo Burnham update. How are we at getting his contact info every week? <laughs> it's yeah, the Bo yeah. Watch. Yeah, the Bowa. Oh, okay. Yeah, we need to do something after Army Hammer is like eventually dies down. I know we need a new segment. Like, a, you know, something else needs to happen. Excellent. All right. Well, I suppose the uh, the only way to end this episode is the way that every Screening and Kingston episode ends. Taylor, would you like to take it away? Go stream some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.